Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 82 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, it may be cold and snowy in this part of southeastern Ontario, but if you really look at it and you look for it, there are signs that spring training is near. In fact, a small town in Dunedin, Florida, pitchers and catchers have officially reported, which means, Riley, it is officially baseball season. So today on our show, we're going to go off our spring training preview here. We're going to talk about which players are we looking forward to seeing this spring? Which storylines do we want to follow? And who are going to win these key positional players that we have in going out of camp this year? We have that and so much more, guys. But remember, our show is free and available on all platforms. So if you're watching us on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. We are rapidly growing and we want you guys to be a part of that as well. And if you're out in podcast land, guys, Five stars only. It really is the best way to help this show grow. But Riley, you in the mood for spring or what? How do you feel today? Yeah, no, it's definitely a chilly one out there, man. I was doing a little work earlier. And um, yeah, I, don't I know baseball is is here, man. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's it's in the air. Uh, you know, it just smells differently out there. <laughs> and, um, you know, starting to get information starts to come on. You see, you know, the different Twitter accounts that we all follow kind of open back up again, if you want to call it that, and give us reports from around around the league. Uh, lucky for you listeners and you viewers that we got you covered for that. Everything Toronto Blue Jays, of course, if you want something to do with the other 29 teams, you can probably look elsewhere, but if you're listening <laughs> or watching, you're probably a Blue Jays fan. God yes. bless you. Jesse, I'm excited for this one, man. I mean, there's a lot to talk about with this with this Blue Jays team. I mean, it is a very different looking team from last year. I know that only a few moves were made, really, mm-hmm. but I mean, the infield looks the same kind of pitching's changed quite a bit and the outfield is completely different. So Jesse, I mean, without further ado, man, I mean, lead us off, man. I mean, where do we even start to <laughs> predict with this team? There's a lot. There's a lot that goes on in spring training here. And I just want to go out with the caveat, you know, that, hey, wins and losses don't matter. Like if the Jays go out into spring and we lose the first seven games, don't sweat it. These games don't matter. In fact, Riley, can you tell me what the Blue Jays record was in spring training last year or in 2021? I mean, you said it was 15 games. I'm going to yeah. guess we were maybe seven and eight, if I was to guess. Jays went nine and six last year, which they only played 15 games. I don't remember if that was weird or if that's just a score bug error on MLB.com, but who knows, Riley? Riley, do you know how we did in 2021? Oh, I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you. I'm going to say that we had, if you give me that number, I'm going to say we had uh, one more win than we did losses. No, so we actually went 16 and nine in 2021. The Jays Ooh, had the second best record up. in the Grapefruit League. But of course, the Jays didn't even make that playoffs that year, missing out by one game. Do you know who had the best record in spring training that year, Riley? The Miami Marlins. And they went Oof. on to lose 95 games that year. So again, wins and losses don't matter. Obviously, we want to see the Blue Jays win games more often than they lose games. And there is something to be said, I guess, about getting a winning culture in here. But just to go back to my point that spring trainings don't matter, Riley, in 2013, we had a Toronto Blue Jay lead all of spring training and batting average. And if you know who this is or if fans know who this is, you're a Blue Jay sicko right there. But uh, do you know, do you want to take a stab at the name? I mean, there's uh, the t- 13 Jays uh, don't really ring a whole lot of bells, but yeah. I'm going to go with um, was Jorge Bonifacio on that team? <laughs> uh Emilio Bonifacio or Emilio uh, Bonifacio. Yes. Yes. Emilio Bonifacio is my guess. I think he might've been 2011, 2012 Blue Jays or either that or Juan Francisco is my guesses. Wow. Great Blue Jays names there. Uh, It was Munanori Kawasaki who led all of spring training in batting average that year. And you know how his career turned out here. So, Please don't freak out if we see Vladimir Guerrero go three for 21 this spring or if Dar- if Dalton Varsha goes 12 for 18 and hits five home runs. These stats don't matter. But there are some things you should look for in spring training. For example, in 2021, Alec Manoa showed up at spring, dominated, dominated, dominated all spring. We sent him to Buffalo. He dominated. And look at the career that Alec Manoa has had so far this in his major league career. Jose Barrios, for example, came into spring training last year and was quite bad. And then we get into the regular season. Everyone's saying, oh, no, Jose Brios has the track record. He's going to turn around. He gave up seven earned runs in the first three innings of the game last year. So these are things that you can pay attention to and take it with a little grain of salt going forward. So, yeah, that's what I got there, Riley. 
Yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell when a player isn't ready for the for the MLB or, you know, they struggle in spring training. There's You'll see a lot of different players in around the league. You can watch other teams too, guys, you've probably never even heard of and things like that that have maybe had their cup, cup of coffee or going to get one this year for the first time, maybe just added to the to the 40-man roster and getting a taste of spring ball, things like that. But, I mean, man, we kind of know – what the guys on this team do our core our core guys are there and yeah. i mean a good a good spring jesse is you know i want our pitchers to be throwing i don't want to see a guy you know pitch more than probably you know i think 50 pitches in a in an outing is is plenty it's a good workload doesn't strain the arm too much and for especially for the hitters i mean you're going to see a lot of rotations in and out but keep keep the guys healthy you don't want a pitcher, you know, and they don't, you know, managers are smart. Pitching coaches are smart. They're not going to let guys get hung out to dry out there course, and throw a lot of pitches. So we got, you know, we got, got we're going to use, you know, seven, eight, nine pitchers in a game. Who knows? But, you know, that's my main takeaway from spring training just before we get into it is that, you know, it's not these, these games really, they matter for for individuals and prepping for the regular season course, but they yeah. don't really matter you want to just end it and be as healthy as uh, healthy as a team as you can you know coming into the regular season man so same thing i said last year same thing we both said you know just like you play smart out there you know playing smart baseball will keep you healthy and that's the thing that's the big takeaway i guess when we are done spring and we're looking back at what happened this spring we just want to avoid getting hurt right like you can't win the AL East in the, in the month of uh, February and March, but you could lose it if there was a big injury, right? Like remember in 2015 when Marcus Stroman got hurt uh, going into the 2015 season, it was out almost all year, right? I remember Michael Saunders was another one too who injured himself in spring. Just stay healthy, everybody. If we can get through spring injury-free, I think we're going to be in a good spot. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, Strowman's still playing. Saunders' his career's yep. done. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you even if you got a even if your your arms sore, you know, tell the coaches they'll understand. Get a young guy in. I mean, I'm sure he's itching to be be playing anyways. Yep. If you're if you're a guy who's probably going to be in the starting nine, if one day Kirk says, you know, I you know not at a hundred percent, you know, then probably not a good idea to put him in the lineup. But yep. we know the business on that sense. We got games to get through this. It's just pra- just. Just, you know, it's just game simulation practice is what it is for us against, you know, other real teams around the league. So, I mean, just keep it healthy, play smart ball and and get to the regular season in good shape. All right. And before we get into individual storylines and individual players who want to say, guys, I want you to keep these six things in mind when we are watching the Blue Jays play spring training. By the way, first of all, by the way, we're going to be able to watch more on TV than we ever have before, because we mentioned last episode that every single Blue Jays home spring training game is now going to be televised, which is great for us. Great for the viewers. Great for Blue Jays Nation. So keep that in mind. Uh, Keep these six things in mind, I guess, while we're watching this team one. There is some level of correlation. It's not all random, remember, right? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is still Vladimir Guerrero Jr., right? Santiago Espinal is still Santiago Espinal. Like, they're going to hit like we think they're going to hit. So keep that in mind. But remember, it's only about three weeks worth of games too, right? Any player can have a cold three weeks, a hot three weeks during the course of the regular season. Let's not amplify it more just because it's the first time we're seeing them during spring training. Also, another thing to remember, remember that Every single type of player is facing a different type of quality of competition, right? Some teams might go out and throw their best pitchers, but some guys might want to start a double-A guy against a lineup full of big leagues just to get a look there and see how they feel. So it's not every team's best versus best as we go out here. And the Jays historically, I've noticed this in the last few spring trainings, they might do it again, is um, they play a lot of Pittsburgh, Detroit, New York, in, and Baltimore in spring training because they're just the teams that are like geographically closest to the Toronto Blue Jays. And historically, what they've done is they've taken their big starters. So like this year would be Kevin Gosman, Alec Manoa, and Chris Bassett. And they've purposely not scheduled those pitchers against guys like the Yankees or Baltimore because they see those guys a lot throughout the course of the regular season. And they don't want to give their hitters more looks against our top arms um, to give them an advantage going forward. So I think that is kind of cool and something to pay attention to going into the season. I mean, yeah, the number one tool you have on the ball field, Jesse, is this. It's your brain, man. Yes. And um, when you the more you see a pitcher, you know, unless it's, you know, Hall of Fame talent, or it doesn't even matter. I mean, guys could hit 
Nolan Ryan well and guys can hit Pedro well and maybe a guy hit Randy Johnson well. You see a guy enough and, and read the scouting reports and watch the tape and, you know, have good at-bats, you're going to be hit off the pitchers well. So I do like that, and I, I'm sure that's not just a theory. I mean, it's probably not publicized from our coaching staff. It's just smart, ba- smart, smart baseball, Jesse, because in those big situation games down the stretch, let's say August, and the Yankees have only seen Kevin Gosman once. Yeah. I mean, he's probably going to have, you know, he's going to maybe be more successful than if they've seen him and two more starts prior to that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I like it. Baseball is, you know, it's a, it's a lot more thinking on the coaching side than one may think. Um, so I like that, man. Protect your stars at all costs. What's the old adage? Baseball is a thinking man's game. Well, uh, or what's the quote? One half is physical. The other 90% is mental. Something along the lines of that is the quote there. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Just think and hit the ball hard, man. And <laughs> that's I, right. I mean, that's that's just in head down, run it out. That's the, those are the those are the things. That's what it takes to be a successful ball player. And you don't have to make the flashy plays, but don't make a lot of errors at your position. Looking at you, Mr. Bobachette. No hard feelings there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, three more things to pay attention to. Remember, guys, um, the ballparks are a mess, too. These aren't major league ballparks they're playing in, so things like park factors and stuff might change. Uh, the players still might not be 100%. A lot of these players are ramping up from a, either a very minor throwing program or they haven't seen a lot of reps, so keep that in mind, too. And sometimes, Riley, players are just working on things on spring training, especially the veteran players, the guys who already know they have a spot on the roster. Like I remember Zach Greinke one time went out to spring training and just thought, hey, can I get through an outing using nothing but off-speed pitches, and he went out and tried it. And I remember Zach Greinke also, because he's an interesting guy, this guy, once tried to throw a curveball at exactly 69 miles per hour just because he could say he could do it. So there might not be things to that extreme, but maybe it's like Matt Chapman only wants to swing at fastballs in a certain zone, right? Or that's what he goes for. Whatever it may be to try to improve their game, this is the time where players experiment on that type of stuff. So just keep that in mind if a player is struggling during spring training. I was really hoping you were going to start that little part off with Zach Greinke was... Um, messing with whatever stuff, and he went out and threw an inning left-handed. Is what I really <laughs> wanted. To, it's re- what I really wanted to come out of your mouth. There, I was waiting for it, and they said only off. And I'm like, ah, man, that's not as fun, you know. Make the game interesting. No, of course, of course, he didn't do that. Let's not be ridiculous Plus, here. But, but yeah, absolutely, man. Like you, you got to look at certain parts of your game, and you know, you saying that, you know, Matt Chapman looking for those, like whatever his his select pitch, his um, his you know, midsection high fastball inside mm-hmm. that he can absolutely rope into left field. Um, you know, the same things could go for for hitters like Bo Bichette, maybe on yep. you know plate discipline, breaking mm-hmm. balls on the outside part of the plate. I mean, he does a great job of taking the ball the other way, but yeah, it's more of a pet pitch recognition thing too um so yeah however they decide to handle their approach you know whether it's a hitter or a pitcher you know i'm I'm sure that they have a plan in mind the coaches have a plan in mind for them and if they can you know come together and you know create a good good results in spring training and carry that on for 162 games or or less for whatever they play in the regular season all right well we got the caveats out of the way riley let's get into the nitty-gritty here and hey look Springs hope springs eternal every spring, right? So what are you looking for? Is there a player or a storyline you're looking to watching the most? Your eyes are going to be glued on this, this spring training. So right off the top, let's just, let's roll the, let's roll the tape back to 2021. And let's look at the year that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Had. Yeah. He was second in MVP voting only behind a dominant Shohei Otani last year. He did not have an offensive season that was, what I think is going to be statistically average for him. I think that will be when you look back a below average year. And I think that comes down to, it it really is. I mean, this is a guy, this is a guy who's, who's already hit over 45 home runs once in his career. And I believe if you can hit 45 home runs, you could probably hit 50, Mm -hmm. but Jesse, the fences are in the air. The fences aren't placed on the ground. So 100%. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is is an exceptional ball player. He has a lot of tools that make him good. He won a gold glove 
in the over the offseason. He I mean, first base, you don't have to be a wizard on the field, but to win a gold glove in the AL at first base, still a very good accomplishment. No sl- silver slugger attached to that, you know, um, and he didn't he didn't hit 40 home runs. He didn't, you know, drive in the runners. He did. And a lot of the times, Jesse, it was he had a lot of ground ball outs and they yep. were hard hit. I mean, if you hit a ball 105 miles an hour, that's great. But if you hit it into the third baseman's mitt, I mean, it's just a loud out, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, let's, so whatever he wants to work on in spring training, that's great. But for, for what I'm seeing, man, I want to see right out of the gate. I mean, for sure. I would love the first game of spring training, you know, cause Vladdy, let's say he gets two at bats, a spring training game. If he can rope a double draw a walk and then the next game, get uh, three plate appearances and, and hit a single walk and maybe a loud fly out. And then the next game, two at bats and he walks and homers in his next sure. at bat, something like that. Like, I mean, let's let's you know let's not sell Vladdy short he's a superstar he is yes. what we should we should round this team or you know we should center the talent around him and build around him and I think we've done a good job at that I'm really focused on watching him hit I really really hope that he can go back to the 2021 power numbers mm-hmm. I mean he's got the power his numbers last year does not represent how he will play, I think, on a year-to-year basis from here on, Jesse. I mean, we're heading into the 2023 season. I mean, if you go back to 2018 and look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you can almost you almost would think to yourself, 2023 sounds like a year where Vladdy's gonna pop off. I mean, he did come into the big leagues at a young age. But 2023 for Vladdy sounds like a good year. Like if I was to look back at this five or six years ago with the age he was and, and coming up through our system and everything, I'm, I'm, I'm counting on big power numbers here, man. And, you know, change the launch angle and your swing, maybe make some adjustments. Cause he's got raw power, man. He's, some he's hit home. Game, yeah. He's hit, he's got raw power. He can hit to all fields and pull the ball extremely well, Jesse. So yeah, dude, if, right off the top, just to address it. I mean, my eyes will be more glued to Vlad's bat um, than any other facet of the game right now in spring training. Riley, I love it when we come on here and we are both on the same page because my number one storyline to watch this spring was exactly that. It is Vladimir Guerrero's launch angle and I want to see him to take this ball and I want him to see him to elevate it and to crush it because in his 2021 MVP season, his launch angle is about 9.4 degrees. Last year, it was down to four and you've like hit the nail on the head. You can hit a ball hard, but if it's right at somebody, it's still an out. Do your damage. This team is only going to go as far as Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s bat can take us. And I don't think it's an accident that when he elevates and he's hitting that pitch, especially low in the zone, because we talked about it down the stretch last year. Some teams figured you can pitch Vladdy low in the zone and he can get himself out. So if he can find a way to take that pitch, hammer it down the line or get some loft on it, Vladimir is going to be special. And I want to see how he does this this spring, if he can elevate those balls. I mean, he gets a lot of close pitches too, Jesse. I mean, there's this is not a guy that you pitch to every at bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, sooner or later, a pitcher's going to miss. If you want to throw him a ball low and outside, you know, three times in a row, that's fine. But the next time he comes up to the plate, and you miss with one of those and you hang at center of the plate and it's center, uh, center low. I mean, look out because Vladdy's going to do some damage. And that should be the pitch he does damage on. Vladdy should let the pitches come to him. I mean, he's already proved that he is a feared hitter in Major League Baseball. And I think there's a lot of it's a lot of pitchers minds when he steps up to the plate that he could easily pop off and hit a ball 440 feet over the left field wall. I think that's got to be a thing that in pitchers minds. So, yeah, absolutely. Whatever it takes for him to make the adjustments, because maybe if it's a swinging too hard thing, I always had that my mind that maybe Vladdy mm. swung the bat too hard. I mean, I'm not I'm not a professional hitter. I only went as far as I did, and it certainly wasn't because of my bat. <laughs> so, I mean, whatever it was for, whatever it is for Vlad that needs to, you know, take it back and go back to 48 home runs. I mean, it's those adjustments have have got to be, and a lot of it. Hey, guys have down years. It's a lot luck. It's a lot luck based sometimes, but this isn't really luck based. There is a clear you know, distinguishment between those two years. And it does have to do with, it's not how hard he's hitting the ball. It's, it's where he's hitting the ball and it's being hit on the ground as opposed to being a fly ball or a home run.
set the tone early here this spring, get out to a hot start, and carry that momentum with you throughout the course of the year. It's going to do good things. Riley, another hitter that I am really excited to see this spring is one of George Springer. And I think George Springer is more of an X factor for this team than a lot of people think. Remember last time we saw George Springer, Riley, he was being carted off the field with concussion and a knee injury. And it was also reported this offseason that he was dealing with bone spurs in his elbow that he had a little minor surgery to touch up on. And you could even see it um, in his swings. George Springer used to always have that good, quick, two-handed follow through through his swing and there were times especially in the second half last year he was letting go of that backhand and it was more of a one-handed release which could cause you to see things in your elbow like maybe not go for it that well and he even mentioned in a quote um which i had a vd article he said you know how hard it is to play baseball when you can only have one hand and you can't do it so that could explain why george springer had a little bit of a power decline in the second half i remember he went through a there was a good extended three-week period where he didn't have any home runs or so so watch for this because i think especially after trading teoscar hernandez we did lose some offensive thump and we're going to really need George Springer one to stay healthy and two to be an high impact offensive piece for the Blue Jays to really reach their ceiling where they think they can go this year. So I don't know how many times I've said this, but when you talk, say George Springer, the first thing I attach to it is probably the best power leadoff hitter of maybe of all time. Um, And he is, he is not a young player. He is not a guy who is, fresh legged or you know has the bat speed that he once did but george springer is still an effective player um on the field and a very important member of this toronto blue jays team we know what our record is with this guy in the lineup and i mean if you want to call vladimir guru jr the you know the cornerstone piece for this team I mean, George Springer, I mean, is kind of right behind him for a lot of in a lot of different ways, man. George Springer has played a lot of games in center field for us. I wish he would. I wish he didn't have the problems um, he did of injuries and health and whatever else. Yes. There's not too many years, good years left for George Springer for baseball. I, I'm hoping I know he's an X factor and he's a hell of a ball player, Jesse, but all things considered, man, um, father time is, has not been good and will remain not being good to this man um, as far as things go. So if he could just, again, be, uh, you know, do the appropriate things in spring training, get his two or three at bats in a game, um, be mindful of where playing defensively and not you know, getting hurt that way. Um, and same thing, looking for pitches, George Springer can drive the ball the other way. He's got great power to, to the alleys, man. He's not much of a pole or slap hitter, but man, can he, he can rip the ball down the alley and we've mm-hmm. seen him with the leadoff home run. I mean, the lag speed is kind of not really there anymore, but yeah, the bat speed definitely concerns me. Maybe facing a guy in spring training would be good for George Springer to see a guy you know, that's maybe going to start on a triple A team in Pittsburgh or or Detroit or somewhere like that, where he can, you know, probably hit against a guy, help build his confidence and see those, get those live ABs, get that, you know, get that under your belt and then move forward from there because we're going to probably need George Springer a lot this year on the side of the stick. Like you said, Jesse, mm-hmm. we lost a little bit of power with Teo still really up in the air, what Varsho is going to do, but George Springer is a guy that can supply power for us. And I think it's great that we're, you know, kind of probably going to use him at the DH spot or a corner field more often. So, I mean, Hey, this would be a great season for George Springer to supply a lot of power to this blue Jays order. So I think the main question is how much of Springer's season last year was father time catching up to them or how much was it the elbow injury that was cutting off? I would bet that it was more so to do with the elbow than it was to age, old age and getting skill. Cause you watch George Springer walk around in some of the few clips we've seen this spring. He still looks good. He still looks like a spring chicken. He doesn't look like your typical 34 year old. So we'll see how it goes this season, Riley. And that's just something to watch for. Watch his swing decisions correctly. When you see his swing follow through, does he look like he's getting power from that elbow? If it is, I think he's going to be in a good spot. But Riley, give me another name or another storyline that you are looking to watch for this spring. So, right. Uh, here's another thing. And I'll kind of tie them all in. I could go out there. Uh, there's there's some things that I just expect. One of the things I kind of expect, I'm not talking about right now. And as far as pitchers go, Jesse, I'm not talking about a, a Jose Barrios. I'm not or sorry, I'm not talking about a Kevin Gosman or Manoa. I'm talking about Jose Barrios is exactly who I'm focusing on, who takes the hill for us, man, when he's in, in on spring training games. I will be, if I'm watching Vladdy take his at-bats, I am watching Jose Barrios and how he pitches because, man, 
He is going to pitch for this game healthy. If he's yeah. healthy for every start, he's going to start 32 games for us. Last year, we know what happened last year, man. 32 games for for what should be at least four or five innings at the at least are in his hands. This, Jesse, it's not a problem, but it's a little bit of a concern. What version of Jose Barrios are we going to get? Mm-hmm. I saw him play for the Twins. He did fantastic early on in his career. He had like whatever, a few, uh, maybe uh, even a single digit amount of starts in he had an ADRA in his first cup of coffee season. And then he took off for the Twins. And when he came to Toronto, he had a great little second half with us, man. I thought yeah. he pitched really well. But Jesse, we just can't have this happen again. His 2022 year, when you look at his baseball card, or if you right now go on baseball reference, it looks absolutely disgusting to, <laughs> to compared to any of his numbers, man. Jose, we gave up a big price for Jose Brios because Simeon Wood Richardson is probably going to be starting for the Twins this year. I would, yeah, chance, I would yeah. think, and there's a really good chance that Austin Martin's not too far off. And those are two huge prospects that we got for this guy. Man, I pray, like I, I, I felt bad. A lot of people were harping on him. I, at the end of the day, Jesse, I really just felt bad for him because I know how good of a pitcher he is, man. I'm praying for it, man. Every pitch, I'm sure as hell going to be nervous, man. But as if I'm watching Vladdy's abs, I'm watching where Jose Brios is throwing that fastball. I'm checking the, I'm checking where it says the little, the little dot and the ninety. Yep. Hope it says, yep. I hope it says ninety six or ninety five. That's what the numbers I want to see. If it's not, you know, there's a, there's a lot of concern with that. And walking guys can't have him walking guys because he he can strike. Out. I mean, Christ, he had our biggest strikeout game last yeah, year. I don't know what it's. Yeah, I mean. He when he's on, he can be on, but we just can't have him just basically fall off like he did last year. For what it's worth, Riley, Jose Brios has already reported to camp. He's been throwing more than anybody else because he is pitching for Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic. So he is here. And I think the Blue Jays have already kind of figured out what they need to do. They've tried a lot last year. Remember, he started this season on the third base side of the rubber, shifted to the first base side of the rubber. But what it was, it was a lot of inconsistency with his pitch and his release point. And so I was actually reading an article through Shai Davidi before we got on here. The Jays have actually come up with a plan now on how they're going to fix Jose Brios. So I guess these are the things to watch for this spring to make sure they get it. And I'm going to give you some quotes here. One, Jose Brio said, quote, my release point was inconsistent. It was changing pitch by pitch. Now we heard some of that throughout the course of the season that teams were able to pick up on his pitches. And that's probably why his fastball got crushed so much. One, because the location was terrible, but two, it's so much easier to hit a fastball if you know a fastball is coming, right? So he started working on some of his movements. And here are some of the movements that Jose Brios is going to be working on. One, he said he's going to maintain a steady eye level with the plate by ensuring his head doesn't lean from one side or the other and is aligned with the spine so he can get more torque to deliver that pitch and moving to the middle of the rubber should help with that number two he's going to be more consistently aggressive driving off his back leg which makes sense you're a pitcher you use your back leg to generate power and stuff which could help your stuff play up a little bit and the last thing was he was going to stay firm on his front side keep his glove tight to the inside of his body preventing him from opening up and dragging his trail arm to get a more consistent release point so it sounds like the blue jays have come up with a plan and something that jose barrios has bought into so let's see if it works and it can get consistent here because if that release point is consistent because Brio's curveball is still nasty his two seamer was actually the nastiest pitch individual pitch thrown by a Blue Jay this year so the stuff is still here he's just going to get that more consistent and if he can do it and watch for that this spring then look out we could have old Jose Brio's back so why he why he even faltered like that uh, it's kind of boggles me you say all these the great points by the way jesse absolutely and i hope that he does <laughs> you know exactly those exactly those things if you're a scout watching um from the guardians or or the red Sox, you know just uh, stop watching the video now um but <laughs> obviously public knowledge for what he has to do obviously public knowledge for what he has to do on the mound jesse i mean yeah if you're tipping your pitches if you're if you're releasing the ball here on the fastball versus here on a breaking pitch i mean the guys are going to pick that up and yes, i mean it's yes. going to i mean it, it increase the other uh, the opponent's ops uh, like by a monstrous amount over time um 
the fact that Jose Brios is at camp working and probably working on these exact things, I think is very important. He started last year on opening day for us. He will be probably getting the fourth start for us of the regular season this year. And I think that's deserved. I think it's warranted. He knows he knows he had a bad year. He yes. wants to bounce back from yes, this, he Jesse, or yes. he'll or he'll get booed right out of the Rogers Center. Ooh. It's that's just a, it's just a fact, man. I won't be the one booing him, but that's man. He's making a lot of money. He's he can do it, man. But there's a lot riding on him for this season. We need him. We have we have the players to win a pennant. I mean, we got, you know, p- probably one of the best, if not the best first baseman in all of baseball. We got two pitchers who could change, you know, could easily, you know, win a Cy Young award this year in Kevin Manoa or Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Gosman <laughs> and Alec Manoa. Yes. Yeah. And, and I mean, we got, we got a lot of different tools that we can use for this team. And um, Jose Brios is also one of those guys. But I mean, he's got a lot of work to do, and I do, I do wish him the best. But I'll be watching every pitch he throws, and just you know, just hoping that the the ball hits the catcher's mitt, and the, in the spot where either Jansen or Kirk sets up, mm-hmm. and it results in weak contact, a swing and a miss. I don't want to see him go out in spring training, Jesse, and give up, you know, a wall scrape, even if a wall scraper home run to a guy who is a 20 year old double, you know, the guy getting a double A taste this year or something, you know, I want to see something, you know, extraordinary, extraordinary out of him in spring training and kind of go from there because yes, Jesse, you did say, and you know, full disclosure, spring training games do not matter for a lot of things. You can go three for 40, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yep. But if you're Jose Brios, Jesse, if you're Jose Brios, this very much matters. And people are going to be watching. It's not just me. If anything, to get the confidence up, right? Just to show that, hey, I can be dominant. I can be effective again. Uh, it should be a good thing. But remember, he will be playing more. I guess, elite competition games because he is going to the World Baseball Classic. So let's watch Team Puerto Rico and let's watch how Jose Brios does there because it'll be very important to the success of the Toronto Blue Jays. Riley, I'm going to group these rest of these things kind of really quickly here about other things I want to see. One, uh, Kevin Gosman was forced to change his new delivery because of the new Bach rules that are coming in. So we've already seen him in some bullpen sessions. Watch for this when we get to see Kevin Gosman start. A lot of it is the uh, the front foot. You know how he kind of rocks on his delivery and stuff. Now he's got to kind of keep that front foot planted before he starts. So let's keep an eye on on that and then two names Riley um one Nate Pearson he's healthy at least for now right and we've already got to look at him throwing some stuff and things I know the stuff is still so good I know he's getting older and I know he's barely been effective but plus Riley we also have our bet on how many innings pitch Nate Pearson's going to throw this year so if he comes out and looks good in spring that's good for me so I'm on board with that and the last name Riley is Ricky Tiedemann like if this guy comes out and dominates spring like Alec Manoa did in 2021 he could actually compete for a spot in this rotation if Mitch White and Yusei Kikuchi still don't have it like we could be begging for Ricky Tiedemann to come up there let's watch and see how this guy goes if he comes up to spring and he dominates ricky tiedemann could be the talk of spring and could be a high impact piece so riley those three things gosman pierce and tiedemann any thoughts on those so yeah i i saw that too and i didn't know exactly how i just kind of read the article on the bach thing there with yeah. with gosman he does have a very deceptive kind of delivery it's almost like you know your power pitch and you kind of he rocks on that foot and kind of has it's because it, it I mean, starting pitchers, you know the deal. They, they A lot of relievers pitch from the stretch. And Kevin Gosman almost pitches, I'll call it like a fancy stretch, where he kind of rocks, and then he'll set up and throw. Um, but as far as, you know, as far as that thing goes, it could mess with them a little bit, or it could mess with them a lot. So let's hope that he can just simplify the whatever whatever delivery style he goes with or whatever – you know, whatever he does with that front foot, let's hope we just that should be a problem that is just nipped at the butt and not, you know, not an issue moving forward because I don't want to see a lot of box. That's just a yeah. just a silly baseball yeah, error that is. doesn't need to happen. Um, yeah, man, I like <sighs> Nate Pearson being healthy is great. And I dude. Uh, Never let your dreams die, Jesse. There is a good <laughs> chance that we will see Nate Pearson this year. I just don't I just don't know the workload. I don't know I don't even can't even fathom how he will perform at the big league level. The last I think the last time I watched him pitch in a major league game, right off the top of my head, he was pitching against the Red Sox in Fenway. Yeah. And I don't think he got out of the third inning. 
Sounds I'm not right. sure. Yep. Don't quote me on that. I don't know what the score was. I don't know what his final line was. And I don't even know what, uh, like, 2020, maybe. I, like, I don't know, man. But, yeah, Ricky Tiedemann is the talk of the town. This kid's the real deal. He's going to go out there and he's going to show us and show the Toronto Blue Jays that he can pitch very well in spring training. Is he going to get the call right off the bat? I don't think so. But he will turn heads in spring yes. training. He's going to be the talk of and you're I, I think, Jesse, <laughs> that if things do not go well for Mitch White or you say Kikuchi, that there is a possibility of a Ricky Tiedemann start before September. There's a very good part. Well, I say before the call-ups and whatever else, but yeah, absolutely. But remember, Jesse, if Ricky Tiedemann is starting a game for us, in my opinion, something has gone wrong. I don't necessarily, like if he does great, that's fine. But I mean, this guy is young. He's still got some growing to do. I know he's got the stuff. He's got the gym. He's he can he can pitch well, but I mean minor league time is great for an arm like this. If he does well in spring training, there's going to be a lot of notes taken on it. But if he pitches for the Blue Jays this year, I think that something has gone wrong on the injury front or a really dreadful performance out of one of our starter slash spot starting pitchers um, somewhere along the lines. And remember, he does only have about one month's worth of uh, data above double A, and he was kind of taking off the kid's glove in double A. Now, I guess it's going to go one of two ways. Either the Jays are going to put him back there, and he's going to be fine, but not great. And if that's the case, they're only going to call him up if they need him. But what I'm hoping for, Riley, is he continues his dominance from last year, and he forces the Blue Jays to call him up. If he starts in New Hampshire and is good, and he goes to Buffalo and he's even better, like the Jays are going to be forced to find a way to get this guy in this team, especially if we're competing for a playoff spot or in that wildcard spot, and Ricky Tiedemann and can help the team. I think it will be a good thing going forward. But um, we'll talk to him a little bit later as time goes on because, I, like I said, I'm sure he's going to be the talk of spring. This won't be the last time we talk about Ricky Tiedemann. But I wanted to get into the key positional battles, rather, and I guess I should have waited about half an hour into the show before we really talk about what are people playing for in spring training, right? And there's a few on the diamond. I think there's always, you know, we've kind of already talked about the fifth starter between Yusei Kikuchi and Mitch White. That's one of the big things. I think there's the second base position is kind of the big thing here between how is Espinal, Biggio, Merrifield, and all that going to work itself out. And then obviously there's all the spots in the bullpen. And there's still a spot or two on the bench here, Riley. So out of these four positional battles that the Blue Jays are going through in, in spring, which one do you have your eye on the most? Well, it's got to be where we're the deepest, and that would be at the natural second baseman. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesse, let's just let's just get right into it, and almost address kind of two things at once. Um, so, so second base is is really up for grabs. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a um, I don't have a favorite to win right off the bat. Uh, sorry, well, the sec- anyways, who we're referring to, it would be Whit Merrifield, Santiago Espinal, and Kevin Biggio. I'll right. tell you right off the bat that I don't think. Kevin Biggio gets the starting job out of camp this year. He'd have to have a really good spring, right? He'd have to show that his walk rate's there, the power's there. Like, he'd have to have a really good spring. I would have to think, Jesse, that the start, the, the first game of the year, the first series of the year is, is at a majority uh, played by Whitmerry Field is what I actually think is going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Espinal or they split time fairly evenly just to just as because they still don't know who they're going to ride with. But here's the thing, Jesse. Um, I think with as well, um, we don't actually really have a fourth outfielder on yes. this club right now. So our thought when we, you know, before the show, we talked a little bit and we said, you know, well, Kevin Biggio has played the corner outfields and Whit Merrifield has played the corner outfields. And, you can put Varsho in center. You can put Springer in center. That's uh, that's not a non-option. I mean, you can use them wherever you'd like. Um, I can't see Espinal playing any outfield. But what the hope is for this uh, Blue Jays management is that either Springer, Varsho, or Kiermaier will be in the outfields at all time to patrol center field. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would. I think it. I think it would be a cold day in hell. Before Wits playing left and Biggio's playing right, I don't. I don't know. It's very possible, Jesse. And then Espinal playing. I don't see Espinal getting any reps um, in the corner fields. I see him um, at second base. 
But yes, Cavan would have to have a very good spring. I think if Whit Merrifield has a poor spring, it's going to do a lot less um, in the minds of the managers and coaches. But I think if Espinal has a poor spring, um, it could kind of put him closer to the same level as as Biggio in their minds. I'm I mean, yeah. let's not let's not get it twisted. He was an all-star, but there was a lot of kind of things starting to fall off for him at the end of the campaign last year. So I mean, and we did get Whit Merrifield and he was a baseball player once upon a time. Hell, he was a <laughs> great baseball player once upon a time, yeah. Jesse. So I would be, you know, very, very, very surprised to see Biggio start start the season at second base. I think he is a great left-handed um, option against a right-handed pitcher when we're in need of a, a substitution there. No time at DH. I don't think any of these guys get any time at DH, but I see quite a bit of time being spent in the corner fields by Biggio and Whit Merrifield. So what it's likely going to be, Riley, is I think um, I think it says something by having Whit Merrifield start down the stretch and start the two playoff games for the Toronto Blue Jays. I think Whit Merrifield is the leader to start at second base every time. But I think you mentioned it, too. We don't have a fourth outfielder. George Springer isn't the most healthiest player. Kevin Kiermaier is the most healthiest player. There is a chance Whit Merrifield actually spends more time in the outfield this year than he does at second base, which leaves Espinal and Biggio. And, Riley, the simplest way to go about it is Biggio is a left-handed hitter. Espinal is a right-handed hitter. Biggio will probably start against the lefties. Espinal will probably start against the righties and let's be thought too Biggio is probably our backup to Vladdy at first base if that ever is a situation then you know Brandon Belt is here never mind forget that and um but let's also like the case here too that Otto Lopez is ready he got some times at the big league club last year he can play middle infield he's always had a good bat tool people like and Addison Barger is another middle infielder here who is getting some reps in the corner outfield as well that could really take a spot on this roster if someone like Espinal or Biggio struggles so I think you want to look at the three starters plus these two guys and see how they all mingle. If Barger has a big spring and makes this team out of camp, it could be limited at bats for the other guys. So keep an eye on that this spring. Yeah, you want to roll with the guy who's playing the best ball. Um, historically, second base, obviously not a position that contributes a whole lot um, on the offensive side of the ball, right, Jesse? So, I mean, it's a great, It's you want to talk about X factors, second base could be a great X factor position. We could have a guy, if, if we played, if we decided at the start of the year, Jesse, that only one guy is going to get the job and play 150 games, we could have a guy have a negative, like one and a half war season, or we could have a guy have a 2.2, 2.5 war season, depending on how things go. I mean, there's, a, but we're obviously not going to do that. Our option is to platoon a lot of these guys. Yeah. And I think that's good. And I think that, you know, it's, it takes a lot off, off the, you know, the, uh, the players playing so many games, you know, not everyone is Cal Ripken Jr. I mean, guys need the, the rest nowadays. And um, yeah, I can, I mean, yeah, listen, if Barger, if Barger makes his team out of camp, I would be a little bit surprised, but not at the same time. We see his bat coming around and the fact that, He's getting reps in the corner fields. I think that's great. Learn to play another uh, position if you can, man. Wherever, what's going to get you on a major league team fastest if you're contributing on the side of the bat? Because I mean, hell, man, fielding's the easy thing in baseball. <laughs> but if you're if you're doing the hitting thing, fine, that's great. I mean, we need someone who can who can be hitting for us at second base, or you know, uh, whoever's playing behind him and getting reps in the corner fields too would be great. All right, let's touch on the fifth starter thing. We've kind of already made our point. It's Yusei Kikuchi versus. Is Mitch White and the fact that Mitch White went through some shoulder procedures already this spring and isn't exactly ready to go makes it seem like it's Yusei Kikuchi's spot to lose right now, which is scary because we saw Kikuchi pitch a lot last year and was not that good to be honest. But there's hope. Blue Jays Ross Atkins keeps talking him up. Yusei Kikuchi has a beard this year now, Riley, which uh, I don't know if that will do anything, but it can't hurt his pitching performance now getting bearded Kikuchi up there. Um, but remember there are other names here. Drew Hutchinson is on a spring training invite without any options. Casey Lawrence is out of options. So they will get an extended look to pitch well this spring training. And we've already talked about Ricky Tiedemann, how he could force this way. Thomas Hatch and Trent Thornton are both still somehow on this roster, right? And they've survived the winter without getting DFA'd. So they will get a look as well. So there are guys to replace Kikuchi, including Zach Thompson, who I think we're both talking about as well, who could open the door if he still struggles to someone else get reps on this team. We think that, yeah, I, we think that it's going to be first guy through the wall after, you know, someone gets bloodied up in the battle. And that, that being said, if Mitch White's not at 100% and Kikuchi is our fifth starter, 
Um, our panic button right now, our first panic button will be Zach Thompson. I feel like if anything's to go wrong, there's a good possibility he'll start in Buffalo. That obviously not set in stone whatsoever. Just Jesse and, and my thoughts. Um, but Zach Thompson um, had a ve- has had a very weird MLB career that's only lasted two years. Yeah. He, he pitched well for the Marlins, did not do well with a with the pirates so we're we're in a totally different division in a totally different league Mm -hmm. um i mean not that that matters jesse but i mean of course you know i'm probably not going to be dialed and focused on him but i want to see what this kid can do and and how he performs and if you know i think he can be effective or not and right off the bat i mean i'm a little bit torn but you can never have too many good pitchers and if he's on i mean we got to go with our best Oh, 100% here. And uh, guys, we- and and if it's Zach Thompson, then it's Zach Thompson. We go with them. Okay. I want to talk about, I guess we got the bullpen and the bench, Riley. And I want to go through, let's go through our offense first while we're on the subject. So let's say Kirk, Vlad, Merrifield, Bo, Chapman, Varsho, Kiermaier, Springer, Brandon Belt are our starting nine, including our DH, right? If that's the case, that leaves Kevin Biggio, Santiago Espinal, and Danny Jansen on the bench. That's three names. The Jays are going to carry four, if not a fifth bench person. So there are there are some names here that are competing essentially for this last spot. So we've already mentioned a few of them. Addison Barger, Otto Lopez are a couple options that we talked about. Spencer Horowitz, who's playing for Israel on the team... Um, on the World Baseball Classic there. His name is another one to keep an eye on. Maybe the Jays decide to carry a third catcher, especially if they're going to DH Kirk or Jansen quite frequently, and Dalton Varsho is, has time going to be limited behind the plate. Maybe they carry a third one. Maybe Rob Brantley is this guy. We have also talked about the Jays needing some outfielders. Well, aside from these guys, maybe Winton Bernard, who got a cup of coffee with the Rockies last year, who was in camp on a minor league deal, could do this. Remember, Riley, Goske Coteau made the opening day roster for the Blue Jays last year, and I think at this time last year, we never would have thought that was even possible. So there's always going to be some thing that could happen to get a guy on the bench this year and i i don't know riley who do you have a dark horse candidate of who's going to be this last guy on the bench what do you think i mean i think that one of the guys on the bench jesse i think that um he's already seen some mlb time i think it's going to be Otto lopez is going to get one of those spots i have a good feeling this is a this is a bred blue jay he's been bred through our system um this is a guy that we like i think this is a guy that coaches like the organization likes um that he is a middle infielder with a good bat he could supply us with some good good power if he needed to and as far as the defensive sides um yeah it's it's less important jesse it's certainly um you know, important to the game of baseball, but we definitely want to get guys in who are going to, you know, at least they're going to get on base. That's great. If they're going to hit for power, they're going to hit for power. But um, I I mean, he's a, he's going to be probably a bench guy. He will get the least amount of time. Any out of the guys we mentioned that are probably going to get a spot as far as the other spot, Barger would be cool. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I mean, it's a good possibility. And if we did decide to roll with a third catcher, Jesse, would not be the worst idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we expanded to a 26-man roster ahead of a 25-man roster, I thought the first position that could probably use the extra was the position at catcher. A lot of other teams might have thrown an extra bullpen arm in there, and I think that was the the you know consensus there. But I think you know uh, a, having a third catcher that could can when when you have a well first of all when you have a team where your catcher is probably going to DH a lot of the times anyways i think that you almost have to have another catcher on your bench there we have varsho who can play catcher but maybe you don't want to take him away because of how value how valuable he is in the field yeah, exactly. i mean brantley sure I could see it, man. I could see Otto Lopez. I could see Barger. I would be surprised, but I could still see it. Aside from that, don't really know, Jesse. I, I, I we kind of have our, you know, we're kind of limited. Horowitz would be would be a cool one. It would be a great story. Um, I again, he would. I'm probably going to play a lot of AAA ball this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he plays the whole year out there. Barger is actually my choice of who I think might come up and claim that just because he hit so well with the bat all going through the second half of last year, making it all the way up to Buffalo AAA. And he's a stone throw away. And if he impresses this spring, look out. And it's honestly, it's going to be that guy who impresses this spring is going to be the guy who takes this last spot on the roster. Um, Now let's move on to the bullpen, Riley. And who are your locks? 
I'd imagine we're both thinking Romano, Garcia, Swanson, Meza, and Bass, right? Probably our five locks for this bullpen guaranteed to be there. Yeah, just uh, sorry to create dead noise there. But yeah, absolutely. We got, you know, Romano. We got Garcia. We got Swanson. We got um, we got Bass. And Meza for the lefty. Tim Mesa lefty. Yeah, I would I would say that you've you've got you've got us to that. You got us there, Jesse. So that leaves us yep. with what? Two more spots to fill. Right. And so there's still Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, and whoever loses that fifth starter battle between Mitch White and Yusei Kikuchi, right? Those guys should be there, but we'll see. And even if not, you still have guys Zach Pop. Nate Pearson, Yaz Verzuleta, Julian Fernandez, Adrian Hernandez. And then if you even want another lefty, you have to go Paul Fry, Brandon Isert. Riley, I think I just named 10 names there that could all go into this bullpen. And some of them who are major league ready pitchers who don't have anything left to prove in AAA, but might have to be forced to go to AAA. So who do you think makes this spot in the bullpen here? I mean, it's got one of them's got to be Adam Simber, right? I mean, he did like he. I don't think he had a great year last year. I think that he was almost at one point. He was the setup man for us. I think he lost that job. I think he doesn't go back to that job, but I think, I think with the, between his pitch delivery and the his sinking fastball and his, his pitch mix and delivery mix for later in ball games can throw a lot of guys off when they've had a guy pitched 95, 96 over the course of seven innings and then have him do that. What my pick, Jesse, my personal pick is is gotta be Zach Pop. He is already impressed impressed me quite a bit um, last year, and I think he he's a young guy. I think he's a fantastic guy to roll with, Jesse. I don't know if that's the case. I if I if I'm looking to build if, if my future Jays team, Jesse, my 2027. Blue Jays team, let's say, has Zach Pop on it because I want a relief pitcher like Zach Pop. I want Zach Pop. I think he's I think he's going to be great this year whenever we use him. And I think he's pitched fine over the sample size major league career he's had already. Some of the pitching metrics for Zach Pop too look phenomenal. Like his fastball velocity is up there too. I don't know the full detail. Yeah. And even in last year, he was really good at suppressing hard contact. And all this stuff. So it looks very good. He was really good at getting swing and misses out of the zone. There is an elite pitcher in Zach Pop somewhere. But the problem is, Riley, like Trevor Richards, who was in the back end of a bullpen and battled inconsistencies at times. I still really like that changeup. And now, like, if Trevor Richards struggles early in the year, he's at risk of being DFA'd, which kind of sucks because he's been good at times. I remember when the Blue Jays had big bullpen issues in the 2020 season. It wasn't until we traded for Adam Simber and Trevor Richards that our bullpen really got together. So it's going to be a battle for everybody in this back end of the rotation because gone are the days that Anthony Banda is coming up or we get a 38-year-old Sergio Romo coming in here to pitch for these teams. Like It's these guys and they have lots of options. So if you are not performing, there is going to be somebody coming up here to take your job. So it's put up or shut up time for the back end of this Toronto Blue Jays, which breeding healthy um, positional battles is always a good thing because it forces players to play at their best i would yeah going back to um guys like simber i still think they have to prove that they're on the team i think really the only locks at this point jesse there might besides tim mason being a lefty that clearly gives him an edge but i think three locks that we throw down are going to be Garcia Swanson and Jordan Romano in that closer spot. I don't even really give one to Anthony Bass just yet. Had a fantastic okay. year last year, but there's a like a lot of hard contact and and those numbers will be back are backed up. But I mean he I mean if he's outperformed by Zach Pop, then I don't know. I, I mean it's still probably gonna go to Anthony Bass. The lease could be shorter for a guy like that. Um Trevor Richards, I never I never been a Trevor Richards fan. I mean, he's a good pitcher. There's no doubt about it. He's had a decent career as an MLB reliever right now. But I just if we have to DFA him, Jesse, I wouldn't really be that disappointed. There are uh, relief pitchers are maybe not as a dime a dozen as they used to be, but they still come in bunches, man. And Trevor Richards could go somewhere else and haul some innings, but there's no way that he's going to sit, um, you know, in the minor leagues for too, too long. I think that this is, this is the time for when guys like that, either they play for their, 
the next year of their career. And I think, you know, if he doesn't pitch well, we might not see him in a major league uniform next year. This is it's kind of that time for a relief pitcher of that caliber. So that's where things stand in spring. Watch for that in the spring training. If like a guy like uh, Trevor Richards struggles during spring, he could be at risk till hell not even make the opening day roster, which would be saying something. Uh, we got some news and notes as we're running out of time here. Riley, the home run jacket, which the Blue Jays have used for a while, it might not be there this year. There was some rumblings from uh, Rob Longley of the Toronto Star that said, quote, it wouldn't be surprising if the Blue Jays tried to go with something different this year after a team hits a home run. I know the Red Sox have the wheelbarrow that they run through the dugout whenever someone goes. And my personal favorite is in San Diego. They have like the WWE wrestling belt that they bring out whenever someone hits a home run. So Riley, what would you want to see the Blue Jays use for a home run celebration this year? Do you know what I do? You know what my favorite home run celebration is, Jesse? Mm-hmm. So when you it's when you you hit a home run round first. First base coach probably doesn't say anything to you, but you go for that low five with the yep. third base coach. Sure. You come yep. back, give a thing to your, give your thing to your guy on deck, guy on the hole right up the stairs. Manager taps you on the shoulder, and you get three, you get three pops from your teammates, and you sit back down on the bench because I think it's ridiculous. I know it sells <laughs> tickets. I am an old school guy as far as that goes. I mean, go crazy. I mean, guys are going nuts. I remember, like, look at the poster behind me when Joe Carter, like, he was leaping up and down when he won the World Series. There was, was guys. Pretty big home uh, run, though. <laughs> yeah, huge. He could have done cartwheels and no one would have said anything. I was watching. They implemented it in MLB The Show 23, the Reese Hoskins bat slam. Yes, that was awesome. Uh, it was awesome. But, Jesse, is it necessary? I don't think it is. And then he probably went back and had a huge celebration in the dugout. I love Keep It Simple. Keep it modest, guys. If if you if you hit your 400th career home run, go nuts. I know it sells tickets, Jesse. I know there's a lot of people who will disagree with me. Have fun. Don't get me wrong. God, fun. Then I don't know what's wrong with you. Well, that's the thing too. Like the Jays have always done this too. They've like the fans have really liked the home run jacket. But there was a point down the stretch last year where I think Matt Chapman even said like. You know, I'm not sure this is what it is when you're losing eight to one, you know, we'll put the jacket on, I guess, but no, it's not that big of a deal. They are going to do something to the effect. I'm not sure what it is, but with, um, with our manager, John Schneider coming in and saying they wants to create a better culture into this clubhouse, a winning culture. Maybe it might be something more to what you're saying, but I'm curious to see what the blue Jays come up with. Cause it's going to be something and people are going to be asking questions about it. Um, some other news and notes Victor Martinez, longtime Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Indian at the time. Now guardians has joined the front office to be a special assistant. He knows Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro well from his long time there. Yes. Yeah, I don't exactly know what his role is going to be. He's just quote a special assistant in the blue Jays front office. So whatever that might do, but Victor Martinez, Martinez was a fun guy to watch. Um, Alejandro Kirk is expecting the birth of a child, so he might not show up to camp until later on. Quick thought about those two pieces of news, Riley. So right off the top, does Victor Martinez have the most switch hit home runs of all time as a catcher? Or is oh, it Jorge Posada as a Jorge Posada, Veritek, Martinez? Um, it's w- one of those guys, but wow, that's great. One of my favorite catchers to watch catches. He played in a dynamic catcher era. I think personally where there was a lot of good catchers. Yes. Victor Martinez did play some first base. I of course remember him as a catcher though, where he did um, a great job uh, for the Cleveland team. And yeah, he had some, he had some good seasons and no, no means is he going into the baseball hall of fame, but to have an ex baseball player of, of that caliber come into our organization and hold a position of specialist or whatever you want to call it. It's still pretty cool. I love when the game of baseball is surrounded by a great former greats or former all-star players. I mean, Hey man, that's, that's awesome. If he can contribute in any way, I'm sure, you know, his knowledge of the game is great. If he can go, if he goes down to Venezuela and picks up a 15 year old kid and we sign him and he turns out to be the best thing in 2038 or 2040, then sure. That's awesome. Victor Martinez, 246 career home runs. Jorge Posada, 275. So Posada's got him beat there, and I'm sure there are others on the list. And John Schneider, our manager, this just happened this morning. I don't want to say he's a hero, but John Schneider might be a hero. There was a report he was having a meal at a steakhouse or something when somebody else at the restaurant um, started choking on their food, and John Schneider went over 
um, whose girl couldn't breathe and basically performed the Heimlich maneuver on her and saved their life. So just another act of heroism and the man that John Schneider is is going to be leading this team. That's what leaders do. So props to you. I guess we haven't given up thumbs up yet because we haven't got the season, but we're giving our first thumbs up of the season to John Schneider. So good on you, Mr. Schneider. That is uh, a heroic duty. I'm sure that's that's not something easy to do that would really rattle your cage. It takes a lot of composure. Um, I mean, kudos to him, man. It's got you got to have composure. You got to react to things like that. It's a moment, a moment of panic. And, you know, you want to talk about the game of baseball. You have to start with the game of life and, and humanity and things like that. So good on John Schneider. And I'm sure he got a great appreciation from her, the family, whoever was was involved around that. I think that's very special. Of course, something you do not want to have happen, especially, you know, you're sitting at dinner and really don't expect that. So, yes, yeah, no I would has- I would go out, Jesse. I'm going out and just calling that straight heroic. Yep. Good for John Schneider. And um, and I hope that that. That good mojo carries with um, carries with us um, and the Toronto Blue Jays over over the course of this year. Well, that'll do it for our episode here today, guys. Thank you everybody for tuning in. There are a few like news and notesy stuff, like position players, pitching rules. We know about the bigger bases. We've talked about this stuff in um, further and prior episodes. Sorry, but go back and listen to them. We're actually going to get to see those this spring too. So aside from all the players that we wanted to talk about, these are some things that can uh, pay attention to this spring as well. And we'll see how that goes into effect. We'll talk about those a little bit more as the season goes on. But Riley, we are officially, by the time we have our next episode here, we are going to have spring training games to talk about. Stuff is going to be happening more words are going to come out so please 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 stay locked into the channel here to get all things related to the toronto blue jays remember you can follow us on twitter tiktok instagram we're making youtube shorts now guys we're on itunes now it took us way too long to get on itunes but we finally are so if you're on there please leave a five-star review leave us a comment anything hand to help the algorithm go tell a buddy you know say if you learned something cool a cool new stat today say you heard it from the buds and blue jays that would go a long way to uh getting this going but riley anything else to add before we call our day today yeah, real quick, if you could see this, I got my, this is from last year's opening day, my cup here, mm. Jesse. It's got yep. a little faded from the dishwasher, so I'm ho- <laughs> sure. really, really counting on getting a new cup for the 2023 year. Of course, beautiful Blue Jays blue and, and yep. a nice drinking glass for myself. Yeah, dude, I'm stoked for baseball. That was our preseason preview. And Jesse, I'm really excited, man. We got to get through this. Let's keep the guys healthy. Let's play smart ball, but let's play good ball out there. Absolutely. And then coming up, we're into full preview mode. We got our official Blue Jays season preview. We got to do our bold predictions episode. We got to take a look around the AL East. We've got a Blue Jays X Factors episode coming up. Whole bunch more to look forward to as we get through February and into the month of March before it's officially baseball season. So please make sure you're locked on to Buds and Blue Jays. That would be great. That'll be it, guys. We'll see you again next week. Thanks, guys. 